Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. I'm a certified microdosing practitioner, menstrual cycle coach, and feminine embodiment mentor. And I'm on a mission to break taboos around women's bodies, periods, and psychedelics. On this show, we're exploring all things spirituality, sexuality, mysticism, and empowerment. Come along as I interview other coaches, teachers, healers, and thought leaders about all the ways we can feel more tuned in, turned on, and lit up AF. If you're on a journey towards self-discovery, you've come to the right place. This is The Light Within. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. I am so excited to talk with today's guest. This is a woman I deeply respect and honor, and I have had such an amazing time getting to know her over the last few months. I first met Marissa Lawton last fall when she invited me to be part of her Sacred Living Summit. Now, this was a summit with, I think, about 30 other women where we all talked about different ways to make life more magical. And Marissa and I connected um, a few times. I was on her podcast, and of course, here she is on mine. And she teaches things that are very aligned with my own teachings, um, but she has just such a beautiful spirit about her um, and a really unique and wonderful way of connecting modern women with these ancient feminine mysteries. Marissa says she's a wisdom keeper, and it is her dharma to ensure that every woman on the feminine path feels supported in resurrecting her most powerful magic, even when it brings up her deepest wounds. Oh, 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 yeah, we love that. Marissa's mission is to help women in various stages of relationship with their feminine energy step more fully into their divinity, to see past just the sexy or sweet side of the feminine and feel in their bones their multifaceted, all-encompassing potential. So today we talk about how to get back in touch with your roots, the roots of the feminine, and how rewilding the feminine is so essential, especially for those of us living in a busy modern world. Make sure you're staying tuned towards the end of the episode because Marissa is going to share about her amazing programs um, that I know you guys are really going to want to take part in and pay more attention to, as well as all the different ways you can follow her on Instagram, TikTok, um, and she has a really cool quiz. And you know we love quizzes. So stay tuned for the end of the episode for that. This episode is also sponsored by my brand new sacred online community, The Sanctuary. Inside The Sanctuary, you will connect with other busy women just like you who are learning to combine sensual embodiment with mindful microdosing to tap into their divine feminine energy claim pleasure as their birthright, and heal the core wounds holding them back from their most ecstatic life, even while working full-time and raising kids. You'll be guided by me along the exact same path I took to come home to my body to actually love myself and to heal the sexual shame that I felt after getting diagnosed with herpes at the age of 18. I know that you're tired AF and that maybe connecting with your pleasure and your body feels about as doable as climbing Mount Everest, but I also know that you know there's so much more to life than just numbing out with Netflix, endlessly scrolling socials, and downing a glass of wine or three, no judgment, so you don't have to feel those uncomfy feelings. And I also know that when you're on the healing journey, it can feel lonely as 
fuck. And so that's why I created the sanctuary to help you find your sisters, your special tribe of women who can hold space for you, connect with you and make you feel supported through the journey that we call life. So if you are ready to confidently claim what you want and watch pleasure awaken the powerful and radiant version of you while you find your tribe of sacred sisters, I invite you to click the link in the show notes and use the code the light within for one month free inside this sacred community. I cannot wait to see you inside. So join me now in welcoming Marissa Lawton to the Light Within podcast. Marissa, it is such a joy to have you here. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Leslie. So I'm really excited for this chat too. The first question though that I ask everybody is what ignites your light within? Oh, I think just like living in bliss. It's it, like that sounds kind of corny, but I think there are um, times when I just get caught up in the day-to-day minutiae, the like mundane pieces of taking my kids to school. And when I can bring a touch of sacredness to all of those things and when I can live both intentionally and in awe, mm-hmm. then that's what really helps me find that light with him. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. So for folks who don't know you or aren't familiar with your work, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what it is that you bring into the world? Yeah, so I have a little bit of a backstory, but obviously my name is Marissa. And um, after my parents' divorce when I was a kid, um, it kind of left a vacuum of masculine energy in my household. And even though I had a relationship growing up with my dad, very fortunate, um, I really stepped in, even though I was the youngest in the household, really stepped in and filled that masculine um, energy space and was the doer and the achiever and all of those things. And that's how I kind of felt loved. Um, and that really followed me all throughout my twenties. And I started to have some health concerns with it. Mainly I lost my period, um, Mm. which I know is something that you talk a lot about in your work. Um, and it was just completely out of touch with any cycle, let alone my body's rhythm and my body's cycle. So when I went to get pregnant for the first time, went through fertility treatment. Mm. Um, and it was through that had a really big, like one of my spiritual awakenings of like, well, this isn't right. (laughs) Here I am like pumping artificial chemicals in my body to return Mm. my body to its natural state. And I won't talk bad about fertility treatment. It's helped a lot of women and helped me. Um, but it was an eye opener. Yeah. Um, even though I grew up really predominantly in my masculine energy, um, had adrenal fatigue and all those like hormonal fallout from that, I still grew up very spiritual. So um, I've had certain moments in my life that have been spiritual awakenings. I'm, in fact, I'm going through one right now. Um, I feel like I was one of those indigo kids or whatever they call them that has always kind of been aware and always kind of been awake. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two things collided after the birth of my, my first child, Mm -hmm. um, where I really was like reclaiming and made a conscious effort to reclaim my feminine. Mm -hmm. You and I have talked about this before that I was doing all the things I was approaching this feminine reclamation in a masculine way, like check the list. Okay. I'm tracking my period check. Okay. I'm meditating check. Right. Yeah. And so then I had to really like, that all had to fall away and I really had to find my feminine. And so that's the work I do in the world now. Um, I'm a former psychotherapist, so I have a lot of trauma training and ability to hold these special spaces. 
Um, and now I really help these women who want to bring more sacredness into their everyday step onto a feminine path in a feminine way. Mm. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting. A lot of us who, you know, we're more in our masculine and then we want to tap into feminine. We really all go through that masculine, the feminine aspect, right? Like, let me check off this thing. Like it's a to-do list. So I love that you expressed that. So Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about something that I find folks can get a bit confused about. What's the difference between femininity and feminine energy? Yeah, that's a great question. So femininity is still a social construct and we know that we live in a patriarchal society so femininity can be a beautiful expression of feminine energy but we've got to take a look at where that's coming from and if it's conditioned or if it's authentic Mm. so typical like expressions of femininity might be doing your hair wearing your makeup wearing more feminine clothing and If you are wearing those things in a performative way because, oh, this makes me a more attractive woman or this makes me a more feminine woman, then you're actually just in a social construct, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Um, Whereas, like I said, feminine energy is not binary. It's not gendered. Men and women and, and anybody who identifies in any way has both masculine and feminine energy. And it's the receptive, it's the nourishment, it's the being side of the doing, right? Like I said, I was such a doer when I was little. When you are um, in your feminine, you are a beer. Now that's just an energetic state. Sometimes when you are flowing and being, it makes you want to wear a dress or it makes you want to like um, present yourself in a certain way that matches the energy. That's different. than femininity as the social construct, if that makes sense. No, you did an excellent job of explaining that. And I think that that's something folks get, yeah, really confused about. So that was an excellent explanation. And so what's the difference then between feminine energy and the sacred feminine? Yeah, I think that's when you take it to a place of reverence, when you take it to a place of holiness, right? Like I am going to intentionally cultivate this energy in my life because it brings me joy, it brings me bliss, it brings me pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's lots of ways that we can then have a, a relationship with this energy. And, you know, you and I are both business owners, so there's absolutely a time and a place for us to bring on that masculine energy. Mm -hmm. I've got six things to do today. They're all due by the end of the week, whatever, right? Having that container and then also having a relationship with this feminine and saying, and when I log off my computer, I'm going to go and I'm going to pursue this type of pleasure. I'm going Mm -hmm. to pursue this type of bliss, or I'm going to sit and allow this bliss to arrive to me even is a more accurate way of saying it right Mm -hmm. so having that again the two two pieces intention and awe right Mm -hmm. intentionally saying i um i revere this energy i know i hold it within me and i know it's powerful that's the awe and then i'm going to intentionally play with it i'm going to intentionally call it on i'm going to turn it on like a dial i think that's when it becomes sacred Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. I love that. And so what are some of your favorite ways to tap into the sacred feminine? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I teach in all my programs is archetypes. Uh-huh. And the way that I talk about archetypes is we all have 
we're multifaceted humans, right? Our human experience is multifaceted. So all of this archetypal energy, it does live within us. But because we've been conditioned and because we've been cut off from it for a long time, what I help women do is actually externalize it. Like in the month of November, for instance, we're working with dark goddess energy. Hmm. So we we call on dark goddess. We give her a name. We give her a, an outfit. We give her a hairstyle. We give her an eye color, all of these things so that we can, again, cultivate that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the goal is to integrate her, to bring her back within. Um, so those are some really fun things you can do is play around with the different energetic archetypes. You can also like embody them like um, – you know, wearing clothes, again, this leans to the femininity aspect, but like wearing clothes that make you feel like you're in mother energy or like you're in dark goddess energy or crone energy or something like that. You can cultivate that in your outward um, expression as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what's so fascinating, you know, about my own journey and a lot of the journeys of people I've worked with is that when we start, when we're masculine energy dominant as Mm -hmm female-bodied beings, Um, and we want to tap into the divine feminine, the sacred feminine, and we go to work with archetypes. Tell me if this is you or or people that you know. Yeah. Reaching to dark feminine was like the the easy one, Mm -hmm. like one of the very Mm -hmm. first, because for me and a lot of people I've worked with, that was the one who was powerful. She was the one that was take no Mm -hmm. shit. And it's like, oh, you're kind of like, I could see how you were parallel in a lot of ways to the masculine energy that I had embodied. And what was so tough for me was to play in like maiden energy or to play Mm -hmm. in like, um, you know, play in mother energy. Oh, because I'm not... Uh, the mother of human children, I like for a long time, up until I was 36 last year, I had so much difficulty figuring out how the fuck to be in mother because I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not a mother. Now I've figured it out. But is that something mm-hmm. that you've experienced too? Like people have ones that they naturally gravitate toward? Yes. People definitely have ones that are not, they naturally gravitate toward. I think we all have the capability to cultivate all of them, but you're going to Um, have ones that are easier. We also have natural predispositions. Like you and I, Leslie, we've talked before recording. We probably are like on, if polarity is on a spectrum, we're probably naturally more like 70% masculine energy, even though we're feminine beings and we play in our feminine and we, we teach our feminine and all this stuff. There's like a natural predisposition as well. Mm -hmm. So between your masculine and your feminine, and then when you're in your feminine, there's going to be some that are just more easily accessible for you. Some of that's going to be because of your conditioning, your mm-hmm. upbringing, your generational things that have happened in your in your ancestry and all of that stuff. And then some of it's just your personality, right? Right. Um, it's interesting because I categorize them into kind of three three chunks, like doorway, deep, and dark. Doorway are typically the ones that people have a little bit more, um, at least like they can wrap their mind around a little bit. And that is like you're talking about maiden and mother um, because, again, our conditioning says, oh, being a mother is um, acceptable. Right. So those are kind of the doorway ones. The deep ones are things like wild woman. Right. They're bringing us to an, a level of depth that we haven't been before. Mm-hmm. And then dark, of course, is going to be like seductress, witch, mm-hmm. and dark goddess, things that have been demonized in our yeah. conditioning. So yeah, I don't think I don't think doorway necessarily means, oh, this is easier for me to access. It's more like this is easier for me to wrap my mind around. Mm-hmm. It's it's prettier. It's yeah. more um acceptable or more approachable. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's what society shows us because just look mm-hmm. at the look at Hollywood, look at mm-hmm. the maidens, look at the mothers, and then I mean, in the last ten years, we have seen much more rev- uh, like reverence for the crone mm-hmm. because of amazing crone women yeah. like Helen Mirren and people like yeah. that. Um, but it's just so fascinating. I love looking at it that way. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Doorway, deep and dark, and so. How much do you personally work with archetypes and? Mm-hmm. Do you work with deities too who like epitomize those archetypes? Good question. So, you know, being a former therapist, I'm really conscious of um, cultural appropriation. And Mm -hmm. so in most of my work, I do. I stay at archetypal level. And with all my students, I say, now – trace your lineage. Your, your lineage might be East Asian. You might be South Asian. You might have African lineage. You might like me and probably you have European Mm -hmm. ancestry. Some of you are going to have Hispanic and Mesoamerican and indigenous ancestry. I think that's a lovely opportunity for us to pursue the goddesses or the deities Mm -hmm. that, um, come from our culture. It's not that I won't talk about like the Persephone myth or Kali or some of these things. I I do talk about them in the mythical, Mm -hmm. like here's the story and here's the symbolism and all of that. But in my work, like in my program rooted or with my students, we're not doing like rituals to a particular deity. We Mm -hmm. do rituals, but it's to that energetic archetype. Yeah. That way we can fill in the blanks with our own lineage. I feel like that, just in my opinion, is is a more cultural appreciative way instead of mm-hmm. a cultural appropriative way. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I This past summer when I ran my group container, um, did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Encouraged each person to explore their own you know lineage and ancestry and also understand that if we have been here for past lives we have no idea you know what we may have been so if we feel very called to something in particular maybe that's where we had a past life um so wow uh let's talk a little bit then about rituals because Mm -hmm. i think rituals you know we're recording this right before halloween but it's not coming out until a little bit later so i am like top of mind rituals are i mean Samhain and um all Hallows Eve and and however your you know ancestry and lineage, lineage spoke about this time it's the thinning of the veil yeah. and rituals are like what everybody's talking about so when we talk about rituals to just create more sacred out of the mundane mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily to connect with any archetypal energy do you have rituals that you really prefer to help you you know tap into that sacred feminine yeah I think what we want to kind of maybe split hairs on a little bit is like ritual versus routine. Mm. I think both are important. So I have daily routines that, that, that kind of has that container, that masculine energy that, that Uh holds my feminine, right? So daily routines, I have a morning and in, in, in recent months, actually, I started bringing on an evening routine because I felt like I needed that. Um, but that involves, you know, waking up, um, I have a Taurus rising, so getting in my body is important for me. So I'll do some like, um, sometimes I do like erotic dance or whatever I'm feeling called to. Sometimes it's just literally like hip circles mm-hmm. <laughs> or like actual breathing to like open up my body. I don't, I don't have like a formal thing, but I do. I, I prioritize body first, and then I'm a Gemini Sun, so then I go into mind. And I'll do a meditation. I really love guided journeys like shamanic meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, when we do feminine practice, it's not about sitting still, clearing your mind and being stoic, right? That mm-hmm. would be a, more of a masculine practice. So a feminine 
practice is bringing on your vision, bringing on your oracle abilities. So mm-hmm. things that are guided and take you on a journey are going to help you access that a little bit. Um, and then I journal. And so that's my morning routine. And I kind of do almost the same thing in the evening now. Um, I do some skincare because I love, again, that Taurus rising, that exhilarating um, luxury thing that mm-hmm. my personality. So I'll do some really good skincare. Um, and then I get into bed and then I journal as well in the evening. So those are the routines. Those hold me every day. Even if I'm in a hotel, I'll bring my journal. Mm-hmm. Um, I pull some cards and stuff too, usually during this practice and journal on the card and stuff. So I'll bring a deck of cards with me even if I'm in a hotel. Those are the routines. Now, rituals don't have to be elaborate, but they have a little bit more of that awe and that intention that we were mm-hmm. talking about a minute ago, like bringing in reverence for something and giving it, even if it's 10 minutes, but giving it 10 minutes of focus of like, I am here to fill in the blank, like worship or whatever, like Mm -hmm. bring attention to, bring awe to, bring reverence for this thing. And those can be nature-based. Yeah. They can be moon-based. A lot of people love like new moon and full moon rituals. Um, They can be blood rituals, syncing with your cycle, right? So there's just a little bit of a difference between the routine that holds your spiritual practice and the rituals that you're doing to honor something, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for explaining that. And so when we look at – I love that you sort of were talking about the the routine holding the ma- – like more of a masculine type aspect to hold mm-hmm. the feminine. Mm-hmm. Um and reminding to do these things when you travel. I'm about to travel in a couple of days. And I was like, yeah. oh, shoot, I definitely need to pack a little a little travel altar, a little yeah, travel, something to take to the hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I know one of the big things, and you even mentioned it sort of already when we talked about the doorway deep and dark, mm-hmm. is this whole energy of like the wild woman, the rewilding, mm-hmm. the getting back to nature. And I know that's a huge part of your platform. Yeah. So for folks who, and now if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm sure you've heard other people talk about it or me talk about the rewilding, but what is rewilding to you and why do you feel like we need it as busy modern women? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Re- so rewilding to me is a conscious decision to remove yourself from certain systems and structures that are not sacred for you and that are keeping you from living like your most soul-led life. And for some of us, that means like moving to a commune in Vermont, Mm -hmm. right? That might be the answer for some of us. Others, it might mean putting our kids in charter school instead of public school, right? It, it, it doesn't have to be this like huge extreme, right? but it's consciously making the decision, taking a look at the systems that you participate in. For me, the first thing I rewilded from was birth control. I was mm-hmm. not going back on hormonal birth control. Um, also during my fertility journey, I rewilded what I ate a lot. So whenever anything's an industry, like the food industry or a system like the school system or the healthcare system, those are really good places to start looking at. A funny one, you might laugh at this, is um, I rewilded my music because I grew up in a small rural town and listened to like country music. Uh And Garth Brooks is one thing, but like Jason Aldean talking about getting girls drunk and like sleeping with them is a totally different type of music. And Mm -hmm. I hadn't realized that... Even the media that I was consuming was pumping out this like patriarchal message mm-hmm. um, that I didn't want to be part of. So some of these funny things that you think of, like 
the music you're listening to, the shows you're watching. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I love like Love is Blind and I love the <laughs> the like reality TV, but some of it, I'm just like, this isn't for me anymore. It's keeping mm-hmm. me low vibe. It's keeping me in a place that I don't want to be that isn't sacred and isn't soul aligned. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can take it as wide as you want, or you can focus on like one area of your life, but really consciously deciding to what degree am I going to participate in this system? Mm-hmm. And it might be, okay, I'm, I'm in 80% of this. There's some stuff that I don't like, but I'm, I'm like 80% okay with this. There might be something like I'm 0% okay with this. Like I'm yeah. removing this completely from my life. So rewilding to me, yes, it's about getting back to nature. It's about getting back to uh, maybe cleaner substances or cleaner um, – more green things connecting with nature, but it's also about like a soul aligned life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you feel like ritual assists us in rewilding? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. I think it's, again, I think it's both. I think it's routine and ritual. Mm -hmm. Um, Cleaning your house. Let's say you're rewilding from toxic chemicals, right? There's a lot of the routine that has to go into that. The, the things that you buy at the store, you might even choose, switch stores and shop more at a natural grocer or whatever to find these things or order online, right? So those are things that you're rewilding from the system of the capitalism around the cleaning products that you're yeah. using, right? So that's kind of the routine piece, making changes in daily life. But you can absolutely make this a ritual. Like when I clean my home, I am showing up energetically on, energetically and spiritually awake and I'm going to clean this countertop with reverence because this is where I feed myself or this is where I feed my family or Mm -hmm. this is where I make abundant meals, right? So you can absolutely like ritualize that as well. And it can be something as simple as rewilding the way you clean your house. Yeah. Yeah. I also saw somebody talking about it recently about, you know, taking those little and you know what? It might have even been with the Sacred Living Summit. It was mm-hmm. it was like taking the little mundane tasks that you don't like doing. For me, it's definitely cleaning and also cooking. I'm not a huge cook, like huge fan of cooking, but finding ways to make it sacred. So like your favorite candles, put on some music. Mm-hmm. Like I have really started to wear an apron. It's not super cute. See, I used to have a very cute one, but it's lost to the ether now. Who knows where it went? But just like having that be something that I put on as like my yeah. costume. Yeah. To, like this is now when we are in this space and this is the candle that we light in this space. And yeah. then this is the, you know, so that's one thing that for me has really been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also yeah. rituals that you can do with each archetype. So okay. These archetypes, um, I think, have a flavor and we can kind of sync them with the seasons, right? So like I said, in November, we're exploring dark goddess. October, of course, was witch. September was seductress. So fall time is our shadow season. So Mm. that's when we can work with some of these shadow archetypes. In winter, it's our integration and our healing season, our hibernation and our rest season. Mm -hmm. So um, what I work with, for instance, in December – is medicine woman in January is high priestess and in February is crone. So you can also do rituals for the archetypes and sync them with where you're at in your life as well. Oh, hell yes. Okay. Fantastic. All right. So we will most likely be listening to this episode in either late December or early January. Do you have any like winter inspired rituals that you feel are just hella potent either around medicine Mm -hmm. woman or around high priestess? 
Yeah, so my ancestry is European. So a Yule log is something that you can create. It's kind of the uh, precursor to the Christmas tree, like going back to what was another another way to rewild is to go back into your lineage and what did your ancestry and your heritage do mm-hmm. before they were conditioned, before they were colonized. Um, so a Yule log is something that my family would have probably made being of Germanic descent, right? Mm-hmm. So um, ga- going into the woods or maybe if, you know, the park, wherever you live, <laughs> right? And finding a branch and allowing your soul and allowing your conversation with Mother Earth to help you select the right branch, mm-hmm. right? Picking up some pine cones or whatever your area offers for you, bringing those back to your home, setting that up as an almost like a Yule altar, Mm -hmm. imbuing them with the awe, imbuing them with the intention. Each time you place a pine cone, say, you know, this is for my healing or this is for my rest. This is for my um, awe of winter. Winter Mm -hmm. is a tough season for a lot of us, again, going back to conditioning because besides Christmas – And if you don't celebrate that, then you're really SOL, right? But like besides Christmas, everything we see in media about winter is like, oh, it's dreary and it's blustery and it's miserable. So how can you reclaim that? How can you take that back and say, this is my season where I'm supposed to be inside, Mm -hmm. where I'm supposed to be integrating, where I'm supposed to be healing. Um, So that could be a really great way each time you place something decorative on that log, like calling in rest, calling in healing, calling in integration, calling in a slowing down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really fun winter one. Oh yeah. That sounds so fun. And I'm thinking, you know, of trying to like get my nieces to come with me with we'll a little mm-hmm. nature, like a little nature tour to go grab some things. And we live in Texas, so yeah. I don't really know if we even have pine cones here, but yeah. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> haven't seen a lot of them, but that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I love that you know, so much of this conversation has been around the archetypes. I have found that that's been such a fun way for me to strengthen my own like spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And I know you have, you kind of mentioned this already, some programs that sort of not only center around this, but really center around helping um, people reconnect. So how can people connect with you and learn from you and work with you? Yeah. So it's really easy, just rooted feminine everywhere you go. So rootedfeminine.com on Instagram, it's rooted feminine with an underscore because <laughs> they always throw a wrench in that one. Always has to be different, right? Um, if you like TikTok, I'm rooted feminine on there as well. Um, and my program is called rooted and that's what we do. We walk through the seasons and we pair each season with a set of archetypes. Um, and it's really a rebirth journey. It's a conscious uh, rewilding journey where you evolve over 12 months and you are a different person at the end after mm. have working with having worked with each of these energies. So mm. fantastic. Anything else that you want to add that we haven't touched on? Yeah. If anybody wants to know where they're at, like in the rewilding journey, like do I need to rewild? Do I need rituals? Do I need routines? I love how you mentioned bringing your nieces in because one piece we didn't talk about is the revillaging. Mm. right patriarchy the the reason that they were able to succeed is because they divided the women um so when we can reclaim this and take this back and re-village um we're able to really stand in our power so this quiz it's rootedfeminine.com slash quiz it shows you where you're at 
Are you hmm. in rewilding? Are you in routines? Are you in rituals? Are you in revillaging? What do you need most right now to step onto this feminine path? Oh, and I love a quiz. So we will definitely put all of those links in the show notes below. Mm-hmm. Marissa, thank you so much for coming on and chatting. This has been beautiful. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love it. I hope you loved that conversation just as much as I did. And I cannot wait for you to go take the quiz and let me know your results. I am super curious. Also know all of Marissa's links will be in the show notes below. You can also always connect with me on social media at Leslie Draffin and at the Light Within podcast. Make sure you join my email list. I send out weekly newsletters called Micro Musings that have some super juicy gifts included in those all the time. You can find that link below as well and take advantage of that free month inside the sanctuary using the code The Light Within. I cannot wait to see you inside at one of our live embodiment ceremonies. Have yourself a wonderful week and remember, there is no light without darkness, but there is no darkness without light. I'll see you next time, babe.